0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today.
1: on college football today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Top 25 battles from start to finish a little bit later today culminated with that top 25 battle in Happy Valley, Michigan and Penn State. In Beaver Stadium. Can't wait for that matchup. But here at Fantasy Sports Network, we've been partnered up with a great organization. It is DKMS. We're looking to delete blood cancer, looking for donors throughout the nation. Rich, I mean, it's a cause that's been very uh, close to both of us uh, here in our families and something that we're very passionate
2: about. Yeah, we've said it over the past couple of weeks, Joe. Uh, I have had family members, my father, the closest to me, who was afflicted by leukemia. So we've lived through the horrors of blood cancer. Love what DKMS is doing. To your point, looking for ways to delete blood cancer through the help of bone marrow donors. So what we've done is we've created a fantasy football game. Week after week, you could play for free. You could battle against your friends. You can get bragging rights. But beyond that... If you win one of the weeks of the regular season, you're going to be put into a pool at the end of the year where you will be vying for Super Bowl fifty-two tickets, which to me is a phenomenal opportunity. Yeah, it's
1: a win-win for everybody. If you want to sign up, go to, go to dailyrodo.com backslash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com backslash DKMS or you can go to rotoexperts.com backslash DKMS and jo- join in weekly there's weekly winners and if you win you'll be entered into that matchup to, to win Super Bowl tickets or you can call 844-843-6879 that's 844-843-6879 call, play, and win uh, it's a great organization Joe, and a great match. Joe, you have
2: absolutely nothing to lose exactly. and think about what you can gain I mean, forget the lives, super bowl tickets lives. That's you what it's can all save about. a life uh, by by joining DKMS which is a fantastic cause playing fantasy sports yes. which we
1: all love to do yep. so that's uh, it's a great organization check it out dkms.org we talked about a game we talked about Northwestern and Iowa but we didn't get into this game and I really like it I, I mean I want to talk about the strength of schedule by Pittsburgh quickly I mean you look at some of the teams that they have faced this year Oklahoma State they faced Penn State they faced Georgia Tech they faced NC State they faced Syracuse those teams are a combined 24 and 7 this year which is a 774 winning percentage they won this game last year at home in Hines field 56 to 14 I just think they match up very well they have haven't been playing well, but I think from a speed advantage, they match up very well against Duke later today, and that's why I'm calling for the outright victory.
2: Yeah, you're going to need plays from a Kadri from Henderson, for instance. You talk about the speed and the, and the breakability, the breakaway ability of an of a, uh, offensive special team skill position player. The reason why I agree with you is I'm concerned about the Duke offense. Daniel Jones has not been able to build off of the strong start that he had, and the reason why, he's not getting any O-line help. Not getting O-line help, not getting receiver help. So Pitt could stay close in this game. They're going to need it. You mentioned that Duke offense only converting 30% of their third downs over the last two games. We'll see how
1: that game plays out. When Rich and I come back, we'll be joined by two-time Super Bowl champ Leonard Marshall, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Big matchup taking place in the SEC West: LSU and Ole Miss. Seven fifteen kick. If you want to get the inside and information, you reach out to a former standout in Death Valley. He's also a two-time Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former LSU defensive tackle Leonard Marshall. Leonard, how are you today?
3: Good afternoon, fellas. Good morning, fellas. How y'all
1: doing? Uh, doing well. Love to get you on the show, Leonard. Big victory last week in Death Valley. LSU fell behind twenty to nothing against Auburn. They rebounded to pick up that victory, twenty-seven to twenty-three. What are your thoughts about what that victory meant to the program, and more importantly, the momentum that they'll carry into Oxford later today?
3: Well, I tell you, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you you bring that up. You know, watching this football team and the attrition. Of uh, this new coaching staff and and the uh, new offensive coordinator, the relatively new defensive coordinator, and, and the way that they're trying to do things at LSU brings back the days of old. It, it kind of reminds me of 1980 when, you know, um, Charlie McClendon left the, the program and they wanted to bring in a new winning way and a new attitude about playing football at LSU. Plus, you know, the time where they were looking to recruit the black athlete and, uh, you know, now, you know, the program is infused, it's, 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 it's very diverse, it's, it's, it's extremely competitive, and the kids seem to love what they're doing. They love the environment, they love the fact that tradition continues to ring loud at LSU.
2: Leonard, let, let's keep it on uh, the specifics of LSU. For, for those fans in our audience, uh, maybe Northeast, maybe West Coast, talk about the passion of LSU fans and what the climate is like being a Tiger in Baton Rouge.
3: Well, you know, Death Valley has always been known and has developed and garnished a reputation for being the place where teams come and and look to die. And um, you know, it, it was indicative last week in watching the team that walked out on the field to perform last week against Auburn versus what people expected to show up and and not play as well. And uh, it's always been, you know, uh, a place that I hold dear and near to my heart because. You know, growing up in Louisiana, I didn't really root for the LSU Tigers. I rooted for the Grambling Tigers. All I knew was black college football, and, you know, it was either my choice, either Grambling or Southern. Well, as I come to to really uh, uh, understand, you know, state pride and and what it meant to be an LSU Tiger after joining the program, you know, know, it became mind-boggling because everybody – You know, on Saturday night in the state of Louisiana is tuned in, dialed in, and and rooting for the LSU Tigers to win a football game. And the state, you know, the state pretty much, uh, their heartbeat is that program.
1: Leonard, when you look at this defensive front now in back-to-back weeks, I mean, they stepped up against teams like Florida and Auburn now. It's a young defensive front, but they're still only holding opposing offenses to 128 rushing yards per game. What have you seen in terms of a physicality perspective over the last couple of weeks from this defensive front?
3: Well, the one thing I did last weekend, uh, Joe, when, when talking to uh, one of my dearest friends, the guy who actually coached me at LSU, who is now still a defensive line coach and probably one of the best in the business, Pete Jenkins, the one thing that I noticed was the fact that he finally had depth in the game. He finally had guys that he could rotate uh, position to position all across the front and and give guys a chance to really excel and play real hard for three, four downs, and then here comes a new crew. You know, that's always been, you know, what this new program of football is at LSU is is depth, recruiting the top athletes in the state, the top athletes out of state, being in the top 10 and recruiting every year, and then having you know, those kids buy into the program and tradition and, and the winning ways at LSU.
2: Leonard, uh, taking a look at Alabama, one of the chief rivals of LSU, a program you're obviously familiar with, the dominance that they've had over the past decade under Nick Saban not just recruiting the best athletes but turning those athletes into winners can you see a parallel going back to your days in college do you see a parallel from back then to what Alabama has done over an extended period of time
3: well you know you you can you can see a little bit of that you know Bear Pryor was a great recruiter I mean hell he recruited me you know so he was a great recruiter great competitor and uh a guy who, you know, who built a, a great program at LSU. Nick is doing a fine job. In today's era of football, Nick is doing a fabulous job. He's trying to pillar himself as the Bill Belichick of college football. And it just so it just so happens that the two of them are the best of friends. So, you know, I'm quite sure they talk as often as possible. I'm quite sure they brainstorm, you know, about game planning and scheming and, and attacking offenses and, and, you know, you know, Nick has always been a defensive minded guy. Hell when I played and he was the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, he used to he used to tell me that he used to go back and watch films of Lawrence and I and the way we worked together and he used to, you know, pray that he'd get a couple of guys like Lawrence and I'd be able to come into a program with him because, you know, he knew that he'd get a chance to really showcase his talents and, and what he could get and drive players to do. Leonard, when you look at Coach O,
1: in terms of his progression, he he took the job over as an interim basis for less miles, and uh, half the fan base didn't support the decision. They wanted a guy like Tom Herman, and he won over everybody, going six and two down the stretch last year. Do you feel for uh, Coach O to really take off the pressure from him and this coaching staff? He needs to defeat Alabama in two weeks. Well, you know the
3: pressure will always be there to beat Alabama year in and year out. So. As long as he's the head football coach at LSU, that stigmatism is going to hang over his head. Now, he goes out, he plays well, you know, his his team competes at a high level, and his coaching staff does a fabulous job, which I know they'll do uh, in terms of being real competitors. Uh, You know, he's going to fare well with with the the administration, the, uh, the, the people, the decision makers at LSU, as well as his coaching staff, so... You know, the pressure will always be there to beat Alabama. You know, I'm one of the last crew to play at LSU to beat Alabama. Uh, In 82, we kind of buried, you know, we buried, pretty much buried um, Bear Bryant. We beat them the the worst they've ever been beaten by LSU. You go back, you probably can see that game on YouTube. Uh, That's what I remember. I'm quite sure they, they go back to looking at that football game and looking at that football film and you know, and, and saying this is the kind of team we need to be. We need to be relentless. We need to be attacking. We need to be physical. You know, at the point of attack, and we need to show them that we're here to play some ball today.
2: Leonard, uh, tonight it's uh, LSU at Ole Miss in Oxford. Uh, rivals. How does that rivalry rank in the grand scheme of big games for LSU and the Tiger Nation?
3: Well, you know, Tiger fans, we we never liked the old piss. And that's <laughs> the way we were So, you know, we, we, we kind of, you know... Uh, we marked that on our, on our schedule as one of the games we must win um, you know, in, in, fall, in, in fall football. But, you know, I'm quite sure it's going to be a, you know, a tanked-up crowd. You know, I'm quite sure you know, it's a road game, so I'm quite sure that the kids are going to be jacked up. It's only a few hours from Baton Rouge to, uh, to Jackson, Mississippi, so it's going to be something to watch.
1: Leonard, I know that you're very proactive in terms of the concussion protocol with former players at the collegiate and NFL uh, level, and you're involved in a great endeavor. Uh, Tell fans what you're currently involved in.
3: Well, currently I'm involved in a company called uh, Elixinol. Elixinol manufactures CBD and medicinal marijuana. We do it at two ports of call uh, throughout the country, Australia and Colorado. And, uh, you know, we're probably one of the top, I'd say top three, Tier 1 companies in the area of CBD, which is cannabidiol, and products to help with dementia, CTE, uh, Alzheimer's, and and, and early-stage Parkinson's. Uh, It's a venture I'm very proud of and and I hold dear to my heart. My new project, Joe, happens to be a a women's safety device. I created a company with a bunch of guys from Long Island uh, to attack women's safety on college campuses and offer them an option to protect themselves. It's an electronic device. It's called the Tucker. And if you go to tuckersafe.com, you can actually see the device and what it'll do. And my goal and plan is to partner this device with one of the top mobile companies out there to create a deliverable to the consumer base of America for campus safety on these college campuses.
1: Leonard, great insight and information. As always, we'd love to have you on as the Tigers navigate through the SEC West schedule. We hope you enjoyed it today.
3: Thank you, partner. Thank
1: you very much. Former defensive tackle for the LSU Tigers and two-time Super Bowl champ Leonard Marshall. Did you hear his intensity? I love How that. they I, yeah. kicked the you-know-what yeah. out of Alabama yeah. and Bear Bryant. I love that. From yeah. the former players that come on, the intensity uh, and the tradition yeah. of their program still run true
2: after the NFL. 35 years later, you can still feel the passion that he has towards... Alabama towards old, I'm not even going to say what he (laughs) said, but but towards old Miss. And that's the great thing about college football. You know what? You graduate. But you never really graduate. Anymore.
1: And I can tell you this. The kids at LSU understand the rivalry of Ole Miss and J.J. Patterson. Look for them to step up a little bit later today in the Grove. A little bit later today in the
2: Beautiful Grove. Beautiful spot in the South, by Darius the
1: Darius Geis, Daryl Williams. Look for DJ Chalk to step up. Russell Gage. We'll see. I can't wait. I can't I think they're aggressive early on, but that's why we're talking about it. When we come back, we'll break down some other games like Iowa State, Texas Tech. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 21st 2006 that was the last time Tennessee defeated Alabama they won that ball game 16 to 13. Alabama's 110 straight Butch Jones on the hot seat Rich I don't think there's any way Tennessee wins this game but I think it's a lot closer than Vegas thinks I it's a rivalry game Alabama dominates but I'll take Tennessee with the points a little bit later today
2: Largest point (laughs) spread in the history of this series, 34-ish points in this game. It's the largest ever between the Volunteers and the Crimson Tide, and I think justifiably so. Tennessee is lost. The wheels are off. The coach is on his way out. The quarterback is young and inexperienced going up against an Alabama defense that will sense blood in the water. I think Alabama wants to absolutely pound Tennessee. I think Nick Saban revels in these opportunities to embarrass a rival. Possibly, I mean, I don't, I don't think he wants to see one of his uh, one of his counterparts being <laughs> fired, per se. I
1: think but, he does. <laughs> uh, but I think,
2: I think he wants to make a statement against Tennessee, even though they're 34-point underdogs. Love the way Rashawn Evans is playing for Alabama. The linebacker really stepped it up last week, was not healthy in September. The reason why I bring up Evans is the one possible flaw in that Alabama defense is the pass rush has been not really up to the usual standard in Tuscaloosa, but from the linebacker position... Evans is the kind of kid that can pin his ears back and really pressure Jarek Garantano into mistakes. Alabama known for takeaways, known for those non-offensive touchdowns. I think this is ugly early. I think it's a runaway. And the fact that you have Tua Viola as the backup quarterback for Alabama, sometimes I have to look deep into the roster realizing that Jalen Hurts is not going to be in this game for four quarters. We could see Viola in the second half. He's been very Good off the bench, so despite the fact that Alabama could be up big at halftime, I think they'll still be able to put their foot on the pedal and run away with this one.
1: Here's how you break this game down, and we've—I've been, been all over Tennessee at the start of the year. I picked them at six and six overall, and this is a defense now, Rich, that still cannot stop the run consistently. They're giving up 242 rushing yards per game. You look at Alabama's offense entering this matchup; they're rushing for 302 yards per game. They wore down defenses each and every week. They wore down Arkansas last week as well. And you look at Tennessee's offense. This is an offense that's only averaging 319 total yards per game with a young quarterback. I mean, the only way Tennessee could be in this game, again, they're not going to get into a shootout with Jalen Hurts in the depth of Alabama. They need to force turnovers. Uh, a few years ago when Josh Dobbs was there with the program, they lost that ballgame 19-15. to I think that's the type of matchup you need to get into to a low scoring game. Otherwise, it's lights out and Butch Jones could be fired on Monday.
2: Yeah, I, I think the only compelling storyline in this game will be the point spread, uh, because I, I think the outcome will not be in doubt beyond maybe midway uh, through the second quarter and once Tennessee gets down, where is the heart in this team? Uh, we, where is where is the battle back? This, to me, is a name-your-score kind of a game. I mean, if Alabama wants to win this one 51-10, they absolutely can do it. I don't know how much pressure they'll put on Tennessee in the second half once they're up big. But again, Alabama in these types of games... Why I'd like that, who wants to lay 34 points? That's scary as heck. But Alabama has such depth offensively, defensively. I like the backup quarterback. You have just a bevy of quality running backs that can take over after after Damian Harris, who's been overlooked a little bit this yeah, season. Harris yeah. has been a big play back. Haven't talked much about Bo Scarborough. Haven't had to talk about Najee Harris. But in the second half with the backups coming in, I, I think this is, you'll see the writing on the wall. I think Butch gets fired. Possibly tomorrow. I I think it could be as early as Sunday. Tennessee, the administration, didn't want to do this before Alabama. Put an interim coach in a position of having to face Alabama in his first game. Now that this one will be out of the way and Tennessee is going to get completely skunked in this game, I think after this it's time to move on. I think Butch Jones gets fired on Sunday, Monday at the latest.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I said it at the start of the year. There's no way that he makes it through, especially if
2: they make it to six. And I thought he would. I thought this would have been an eight or nine win team. I thought he would have possibly survived. And and here's
1: the thing in terms of Alabama that they do each and every year is they create turnovers. They're plus eleven in turnover margin and score off their turnovers. With a young quarterback, look for Nick Saban and uh, Jeremy Pruitt to mix up coverages, force him to make his reads and progressions. Unless Tennessee can run the football with John Kelly, they couldn't do it against South Carolina. They're going to be put in third down and long situations. You mentioned the pass rush of Alabama overall. This is a pass rush that has 19 total sacks. Last year, they led FBS or were tops in FBS with 54 total sacks. It's a little bit of a drop-off, but if they get into third down and long situations, Jeremy Pruitt will dial up blitzes, and that, that'll that put a lot of pressure on Tennessee's offensive line. Yeah,
2: at the end of the day, I think you have two storylines for the fans. It's, you know, it's the Butch Jones watch, and it's the point spread. I, I really think that's what it comes down to. It's a great rivalry, a lot of history, third Saturday in October. We have a lot of uh, really compelling chapters in this rivalry. I just don't think this will be one of them.
1: Any shot that he pulls off, the I mean, can you see
2: the what, would be, what would
1: be um, uh, the way that Tennessee gets the upset? They're going to have to force turnovers. Yeah. Number one, I mean,
2: unconventional. Wh- yeah, it would have to be special teams turnovers. Uh, Alabama typically does not collapse in this spot. I mean, Alabama is the kind in Tuscaloosa, of Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, when they're expected to win, they win. Typically speaking, uh, and and now they're expected to win by five touchdowns. Again, the only mystery for me in the second half will be, do I get the cover? It's one of my best bets. I'm amazed about like a team like Tennessee. You have nothing to lose here.
1: Nobody, Vegas isn't expecting you to win. The people in Tennessee aren't expecting you to win for the most. You have to be aggressive. Roll the dice, on kick, fake punt. What do you have to lose at this point? Try and win the game. I mean, at this point in the season,
2: when expectations were that you were going to win the SEC East. Yeah. What do you have to lose? I, I think Butch is going to look to limit the embarrassment. That's what it's going to come but, down but to today. But it doesn't I, do
1: anything. It, it's still, at the end of the day, a loss is a loss, whether you lose by 55 or you lose by 10. But
2: I think it's, there are different levels of that, Joe. Uh, I, I, I think, if I, I think, listen, Butch is not saving his job. Tennessee is not have a new head coach in 2018. But I think for the sake of the program and the sake of the kids, if you can hang with Alabama to the second half, and this is a – You know, 13-point loss. loss. I I think, listen, at least you could sleep better this weekend. You could know that you put forth a good effort. If this is 41 to nothing like it was against Georgia, that's a complete embarrassment. That's something that he has to avoid. They're not winning this game. I think uh, this is a case where you are looking for moral victories. I agree with that, but
1: here's the problem. It's with the coaching aspect. We teach kids you gotta gotta play for, for, for 60 minutes, and if you're not gonna coach for 60 minutes, and you're gonna coach for your next job to put on your resume, that's the problem that I have as coaches like Butch Jones. Roll the dice. You wanna so he doesn't have the He's talent, though. He doesn't have the talent. He's the head to roll coach, the dice. but it doesn't matter. He from and a you're going to run flea flicker. Jarek Orton How about start, start the game onside kick, third and third and eight okay, now it's fourth and two, yeah. you're on Alabama's 40, go for it. What do you have to lose? That's the problem I have with coaches laying up. Uh, too uh, conservative. Too conservative in, in a spot where it does, it, you know he's a lamed up coach for the most part. I agree. Uh, so, buy into the program. Give your kids the opportunity to sell out. They're fighting hard for you each and every quarter. You might as well buy in and be aggressive as a head coach. That's that's the way I, I look at it. I just do not like coaches that aren't aggressive in these type of situations i understand if you're an up-and-coming program you want to make it to a bowl it's a different aspect you want to get depth butch jones is on his way out he's not going to be there next year sell out in this ball game in tuscaloosa
2: who accounts for more touchdowns garantano for tennessee or tago viola the backup from alabama
1: Probably uh, you say his name, the Biola, for, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. I yeah. mean, it, especially if they jump up early, because Nick Saban's going to want to build up depth, especially if if Jalen Hurts gets hurt late in that yeah. in the season. Yeah. You're going to need depth, especially if you're going to the SEC championship game. You have White games against LSU and Auburn at the end of the year in three weeks. Right. They, you know, so yeah. that's that's a factor to keep in mind. Yeah, in I'm, that I'm a little
2: nervous. I never like laying 34 points, but I, I really think this could be a 40. 5-3 to three type of a game.
1: Yeah, We'll see how that game plays out. It is 3-30. It is on CBS. Rich likes Alabama. One of his best bets. I think Tennessee rolls the dice. They keep this game closer than the experts in Vegas think a little bit later today. Here's a game I really like. It's Iowa State on the road to face Texas Tech. Iowa State did dominate this game last year in Ames. 66-10 Texas Tech built a big first half lead against West Virginia. Let that lead slip. They lost that ball game yeah. by 11 points but i like the defense of iowa state here holding opposing offenses to 116 rushing yards on the ground kemp is playing well in the system completing 70 percent of his passes i like Mon- montgomery and lazard to break out i think they get a double digit win on the road
2: I, I, i'm taking texas tech to win and to cover but I, i'm i'm not saying that you're off base here iowa state and matt campbell they've done a really good job i mean first there was the upset of oklahoma absolutely stunning fell behind early in that game battled back with a backup quarterback and Kyle Kempt defense is playing well i was also impressed that they rallied last week and played so well, it was Kansas. And I understand that Kansas might be the worst of the Power Five programs, but a 45 to nothing victory, you thought maybe they would have been, you know, had a little bit of a letdown after the Oklahoma win. They just took care of business, and that impressed me. But I was also impressed, Joe, last week by Texas Tech all being in a loss. They jumped all over West Virginia. They ran out of gas. Will Greer took over late, but Texas Tech with Nick Shimonik under center, Justin Stockton running the ball, and a defense that has been opportunistic, Cliff Kingsbury's done a good job this year. They're playing better than I thought they would. I think they come back home and get a victory, but I think this is a competitive game.
1: Yeah, here's the one thing and when I look at Texas Tech overall in the Big 12, the last three and a half years under Cliff Kingsbury, they're 10 and 20 overall. So as Big 12 play has lingered on, this team over the last three and a half years hasn't been above 500, I think it continues so to a little
2: different team this year than the past couple. I don't know
1: about that. Yeah, they're creating turnovers and they're better right. in run support, but I bought into this Iowa State team. Offensive line playing much better. We'll see how it plays out. It is a 12 o'clock kick in Lubbock. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Marenzi. We'll get his best bets for the late games later today. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. games taking place at 3.30, 8 o'clock. What better way to talk about those and best bets than with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Marenzi joins us. Gabe, I know you're locked and loaded. I gotta ask you about this 4 o'clock battle. It is Kentucky, Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald and the crew. I think the physicality perspective of the Bulldogs is the matchup. I think they lay the 10 half, 11 and dominate this matchup.
4: Another game that didn't uh, – not uh, not one of my best bets uh, here. Didn't make the cut uh, on my list. Two unpredictable uh, football teams. If I had to bet this, I'd take the underdog, actually, and the Kentucky uh, Wildcats. Too many points to be laying with Mississippi State, in my opinion. To me, it's uh, Kentucky or pass.
2: Yeah, I agree. I like those points as well. Gabe, going back to our earlier segment, if you need a, a little bit of all uh, from Uncle Rich, would would you accept bitcoins?
4: Yes, I would. Actually, I have a hard time figuring out, um, um, you know, the websites and the Bitcoin wallets and all that type of stuff. But but uh, yes, two things that I missed out on the Bitcoin craze and uh, lope stock Grand Canyon University and, uh, you know, the only um, the only publicly traded university in America. I started talking about their stock when it was like in the $28 range. It's in the 80s right now, all right? I'm still kicking myself. Not time, it's not too late to hop in though, guys. They're eligible for uh, for the NCAA tournament this year. We all know, once the team makes the tournament enrollment goes through the roof and then the profits will rain in. You know, it's it's nice because we all know the dirty secret about uh, universities is it's uh, it's a cash count, an ATM machine for everybody involved except the players. You know, kids, parents, dude. Yeah, the parents, exactly. Student loans. Finally, I like a university that's honest about it. It's owned by New York. Uh, it's uh, it's hedge funds that own it. <laughs> I think Mitt Romney's like the dean. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and they're honest about it. we're for profit, but it's affordable. It's a great university, actually. But uh, nevertheless, I'm not betting on them today. So <laughs> one, one, one thing that one team that I am betting on is the Michigan Wolverines. and It was interesting. I was just going over some comments. I was just kicking the tires on this football game, and I'm reading comments from the Michigan Wolverine players talking. They're all aware. They're like, we opened up as 11-point underdogs. Um, We're going to show the world um, that uh, we're a better football team than people think we are. We've only lost once under Jim Harbaugh by more than this, uh, this many points before. And it's rare that you hear teams, professional teams, college teams, acknowledge a point spread like this so openly, like Michigan have. They're aware that they opened as double-digit dogs. Now, the betters don't agree because it's down to eight and a half right now. Another big revenge spot similar to the Florida uh, State-Louisville game uh, last year with Coach Franklin and and the Lions looking for revenge. Uh, But, you know, there's there's a reason why Michigan uh, beat them uh, last year. I think they match up well with them. I think there's a little bit of an overreaction going on right now uh, to Michigan's offense. Yes, are they lighting it up? But no, are they lighting it up in the red zone? Obviously not. Uh, but I think this is going to, points are going to be hard to come by in this football game. I think Michigan's defense really is going to crank it up. They're going to make a play or two. They just have to get some sort of ground game going. Their offensive line uh, needs to, to play better. Uh, but I think it's too many points in that football game. And I just tweeted out a gift, guys, about my college plays today. I'm all about the dogs okay dogs dogs and dogs so I was looking for like a gif of like a mean dog you know like a rabid dog or something couldn't find one all I could find was puppies (laughs) so I I just tweeted out a picture of a bunch of cute puppies but my pics are anything but cute uh, today here's an underdog guys that I think can win this game outright and I'm talking about the Oregon Ducks. What has UCLA shown us this year that they're they're worthy of laying six, six-and-a-half points in a football game right now? Oregon's defense has actually been playing a lot better. They're getting after the quarterback. Uh, UCLA can't stop the run. They're giving up like over 300 yards a game on the ground. Uh, you know, last time I checked, that Royce Freeman kid's a pretty good running back. Uh, you know, they got Taylor Alley back. It's not Herbert, but nevertheless, they're back up to their second-string guy right now. And that'll be an upgrade to what they had uh, last week. I really like uh, the Oregon Ducks here. I think uh, Taggart's going to go in here and win this game outright, guys. I'm taking them uh, on the money line. I-, I really like this a lot. I'm buying. Get, get this. I don't know if it's um, it's just because it's early uh, in the morning here, and I- I'm a little crazy and I don't sleep enough, but I'm starting to think Syracuse can win this game outright, Joe. How about that, Joe? Wow. Syracuse, Syracuse outright. As Why he not? wears the Miami know, jersey. That's what a, cra- that's, what
1: that's, that's, a dichotomy that is. I know, is. He's, he's really going against the grain. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, it is. I'm an uh, enigma, guys. Yeah, he likes enigma. that word. <laughs> well, how about this underdog that nobody seems to be talking about? I like USC on the road here. I think they get a double-digit victory. You've been all over Notre Dame and Brian Kelly. If they're for real, this is the spot where they step up. Do you think that they show up later tonight in South Bend and more importantly, dominate USC a little bit later tonight
4: Joe come on what do you mean if Notre Dame's for real and it pains me to say this because there's no love lost in my opinion between uh you know my opinions I was gonna say between me and Brian Kelly but I don't think Brian Kelly he doesn't know me or care what I think so uh but yeah I've been critical of Kelly in the past but I've been critical of Kelly more in the past for some of his his demeanor and his behavior and so so were the uh so of the regents of the school you know, and you notice he's chilled out. He's not as abusive towards the players anymore. And and I think that's a good thing. Uh, but I think Notre Dame is probably the most underrated uh, football team in college football this year, guys. I mean, if they're for real, what what have they done to prove that they're not for real besides beat people by 29 every week? Uh, you know, they, they have one loss on their docket, and that was a, a one-point loss to a Georgia uh, Bulldog football team. Probably going to be in the playoffs, uh, which Notre Dame might be in the playoffs as well. USC have problems, all right? Uh, Santa Arnold is a turnover machine uh, this year. Notre Dame is very opportunistic uh, on defense. Brandon Wimbush is going to be back. I like this kid a lot. He doesn't turn the football over, and that's the key with Notre Dame. They're not turning the football over. And Wimbush does a great job uh, extending uh, drives with his feet over 400 yards of rushing. This is USC's first uh, true road game, per se, into the Midwest. Uh, out of their comfort zone to the Pacific uh, and, and and that region. We saw Texas give them all that they can handle. This is going to be the most physical football team that uh, USC have played all year, and I don't think they're going to handle it well. I think we're going to have a Sam Donald implosion. I think this is a Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming out party this evening. I'll lay the three and a half points with the Fighting Irish tonight.
2: I agree. Uh, I, I agree in terms of Notre Dame. I think their ability to run the ball. USC's been up and down, and I'm concerned about their line play. Uh, before we run out of time, Gabe, uh, any other nuggets? Any other games that have caught your attention that our audience should know about today?
4: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with the obvious here, and it's funny. You know, it's it's like uh, it's like the three of us. People don't talk about us enough because we're so good. They get used to it. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, casual greatness, so to speak. But I realized this this year. I'll spend more time talking about these East, about Eastern Michigan, I think, than I have Alabama, <laughs> because I don't talk about Alabama ever because they're 35 point favorites every week now. Lay the points with Alabama. Is there you know, what? How is Tennessee going to score? Is there any reason why? I mean, Arkansas backdoored them last week. Okay, it happens. I don't see why Alabama doesn't win this game 45 nothing, 48 nothing, maybe into the 50s. I think we have a comfort zone. And another game, I'm sure we're all going to be glued to our televisions uh, tonight, uh, watching Kansas on national television on Fox take on TCU. TCU knows they're under the spotlight. TCU knows that the Big 12 isn't overly respected. TCU also knows that the barometer in the real world among, uh, you know, people, no one wants to admit it, But the barometer is, did a team cover or not? That's whether they played well or not. If TCU wins by 27 tonight, the headline is tomorrow, a lethargic TCU beat Kansas. They win by 52, TCU, one of the hottest teams in the country on a playoff push. You know, Patterson knows the game, guys. TCU's going to drill them. They're going to run the score up. I'll gladly lay the thirty-eight and a half. 38 and a half.
1: And they, uh, Gabe, it's great inf- insight and information. Just to piggyback off of that, Kansas has played TCU very close over the last couple of years. So TCU will not take this game lightly a little bit later today in Fort Worth. We'll see how these games play out. Always a pleasure, Gabe.
4: It's always a that your guys made the winners be yours. And one last quick one, give me the Buffaloes plus ten.
1: <laughs> the Buffs. Uh, I love his intensity. He's going against I the green. Love... He thinks Syracuse can knock off Miami. I know you're you're sitting there in, in your Batman. Uh, he, seat. he got me like uh, DX game racer more. chair. You're looking all <laughs> Bruce Wayne. I look Wayne like, is, I look is, like
2: uh, Sulu <clears> in this chair. Uh, you know from Star Trek days. I, listen, I, show me the show on college football. That discusses GCU, <laughs> the lopes of Grand Canyon University. Nobody has the, the breadth of Michigan. knowledge. We've spoken Eastern about yeah, I love Brogan yeah.
1: Roback. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this, another MAC team, Terry Bowden on the road in Toledo, 3-0 and in the MAC. Keep an eye out for the Zips a little bit later today. I think they match up very well against the Rocks in that Bogan. You
2: are so into EMU. You're traveling to Brogan Roback Mountain, I think. I they, think he's a, a solid quarterback. Yeah, I really do. I you think, missed that reference with Brogan Roback Mountain. Yeah. Wow. Think about it. All right. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, no, listen. I, I think there's a there's a really good schedule in Week 8. We have a couple of marquee games. Michigan, Penn State is going to be fantastic in Happy Valley. USC, Notre Dame. Finally, this game matters outside of South Bend and Los Angeles, which I love. Great history there. But it matters in 2017. But so many other mid-tier games that are going to have a major impact on on conference chases. So I, I think it's going to be another fantastic... Uh, weekend of games. And what you have to watch out for in week number
1: eight is you have teams sitting at 5-1. and one, You have teams sitting at 4-2. and two. Maybe they're not going to the college football playoff, but they understand six wins makes them bowl eligible. So you're going to get teams' best effort. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, if you have a team like Pittsburgh that's sitting at 2-5 and five overall on the road against Duke, you need to win out the rest of the way. So you're going to get some teams' best effort especially on the road, knowing that if they lose this week, they could possibly not become bowl eligible for the year and it's a big deal i mean
2: it's a big deal for coaching staffs and players to get that 13th game
1: joe. uh best game in town college football when we come back rapid fire picks keep it where it is joe lisi rich Cermonello, live on the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 Of the show, we give our blocks for the weekend. Rich has been on fire lately. I gotta get off the snide. I was two and four last week. Started out fast, fell back with the Pac-12 games. If that's
2: your attempt to jinx me, because I did that to you last week. If that's your attempt to jinx me, it's not, not going to work. I would never do that. No, I have no, not, not been un- I have not been week. under five 501- hundred. Did you try
1: and jinx me last week? Is a little that right? bit. Oh, there a little you bit. Go. okay. All right. Let's start right into it. It's a Pac-12 battle. It is a three thirty kick FS1. We're both on Arizona State. I just think the secondary playing much better. I like Manny Wilkins. His athleticism going up against a defense. In Utah, over the last three games, giving up 190 rushing yards per
2: game. That's the difference. Arizona State, a 37-30 win later today in Salt Lake City. Listen, Arizona State is finally confident, finally buying in on defense. All Utah does is play close games. I think they'll play another one tonight, so you're getting more this afternoon. You're getting more than a touchdown. I think it's a gift. Take Arizona State.
1: I think LSU has found an identity, especially on offense. We spoke to Leonard Marshall. You look at lsu They've lost the last two in Oxford by 12 points per game. But this is a defense now over the last two weeks that held Florida and Auburn to 5 of 23 on third down conversions. That's 21%. I think it continues this weekend on the road in the Grove. Look for LSU to run the football against Ole Miss's defense that has given up 293 rushing yards over the last three games. Their average, it continues. Darius Geist breaks out in a big way, 17 points
2: or more lsu dominates joe i'm concerned about this game because it's on the road after two emotional wins over florida and auburn if i'm lsu i'm concerned about shea patterson i'm concerned about those edge rushers led by marcus haynes because lsu's offensive line has been beat up i think the tigers win but i believe this is a competitive game throughout I'm taking the points with Kansas State. Not a bet
1: pick of mine, but you love Oklahoma a little bit later. Listen, no, no, so.
2: I think Oklahoma turned things around last week in Dallas, beating Texas. Kansas State, without the benefit of a passing game, will struggle to run the ball against Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma wins by seventeen, possibly more. I think they blow out Kansas State.
1: Bump bum bump 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 I love USC later today. Sam Darnold 40 to 30 over Notre Dame. I don't think Brian Kelly and this team are for real 5 and 1 against teams with a combined overall record of 14 and 20, 411
2: winning percentage you got to listen to your cousin. Cousin Gabe was right. I think Notre Dame is for real. I think their ability to run the ball, create takeaways on defense. Sam Darnold, no picks last week. I think that changes this week. I think he throws two interceptions. I have it. Notre Dame 34, USC 28. I think it'll be highly entertaining. But I have N.D. winning at home and covering this game. I like Indiana, not a best pick, but you like Sparty later today. Uh, listen, I think they're getting better. It was a young team in September. They're kind of uh, getting a little bit more accustomed to Mark D'Antonio's system. Excellent defense, ran the ball better last week. Indiana emotionally drained after the overtime loss to Michigan. I like Michigan State to win by uh, double digits. We're bucking heads here. I like Northwestern. You like Iowa. We'll see how it plays out at 12 o'clock. Yeah, I think I was just a better football team. Northwestern won last week, but it was against Maryland. I'm not that impressed by that. They still have offensive line problems. That'll be an issue against Josie Jewell and that Iowa defense. I think Pittsburgh gets the outright win, 27-20 to over Duke. You like... I'll take Pitt getting the points. I'm just not sold on the Duke. Uh, I think Duke wins, but I don't like the uh, Blue Devil offense this year. I think Butch Jones has to cover
1: this game for Tennessee, but it's not a best pick of mine, but you think Nick Saban dominates and covers that this one? might be the number. first
2: time in the past decade where I'm comfortable laying 34. I-, I like Alabama going away.
1: Here's a game I really like. It is Matt Campbell and Iowa State on the road in Lubbock. They won this game 66-10 to last year. I think it continues. I like the Cyclones. Give me Texas Tech. And you're All over Syracuse with Cousin Gabe to get the outright win over Miami? Yeah, could be an upset, but you know what? 17 points, I think it'll be a comfortable cover. For Rich Sermonello. this is Joe Lisi. Enjoy the games, everyone. We'll see you next Saturday.